the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're throwing it back to MaxLawCon 2019. We're sharing a presentation of a parenting panel with Alicia Kinchlow, Marissa Portundo, Ryan McKean, and Amani Ragab Hacking. Let's get to it. We're going to be talking today about something that a few crazy people have decided to do, which is run a law practice while raising children. So I'm going to let all of my guests introduce themselves, starting with Marissa. Marisa Portuondo, I have a solo practice. I have one assistant. We do half business and construction is about half of our practice, and we do first party residential and business property damage as the other half. Uh, I have an amazing husband and a three-year-old little terror. I'm Ryan McKean. I have two children. I have my uh, daughter, Talia, who's going to be nine, uh, my son, Luke, who's going to be six. I've got a German Shepherd who's about 18 months old and an old, old mutt that we rescued who's older than dirt, I think. And I'm here with my wife, Allison. We practice together. Allison in my firm really, we talked about finances before. Allison became the CFO of my law firm. And Allison reminded, wanted to, uh, wanted to have me remind you, she said, you forgot something. She said, we paid off all the credit card debt. So that's, that's how that story ends. And now Allison is in charge of the firm finance, so there's no more surprise credit card bills. Hi, everyone. I'm Imani Ragab Hacking. You might know my husband. I don't know. Have you guys met him? Jim? Anybody? No? Okay. So we have four children. We have a 17-year-old. They were, they were running around yesterday. 17, 15, 13, and 10. And I think... Let's see, I've been a lawyer for a little over 20 years, and I've been a mom about 18 years. So a lot of overlap there, and I think we'll talk a little bit about that today. I mean, you know enough about our practice, but I'll weave it in and out. Absolutely. So again, my name is Alicia. I'm married. I have three boys. They are 14, 11, and 5. And they're actually still in school right now. I know some schools are out, but they in school next week. And so being here, I missed a few things this week. And so I want to start off by talking about what we normally call mommy guilt, but Ryan, you probably experienced it as well. So my five-year-old, first of all, I have the best mother-in-law. She's amazing. And when it comes to grandmom, I'm kind of like second fiddle. And my mother-in-law does a lot of the pickups and the drop-offs and all those things. But the day before I left, my five-year-old said, Mommy, I want you to pick me up from school tomorrow. 
And I'm like, damn, like now, and this is the one day that he asked me that he cares that mommy's there and mommy can't do it. And then he also has a field trip to a, a big playground in Philly. And mommy, I want you to come to the field trip with me. Again, can't do it. I have to tell my baby no. And so that's something that I know that you all probably experience, and not just because you're coming to a conference, but because of the things that you have to do at work. So let's talk a little bit about mommy guilt or daddy guilt. Want to start off, Marissa, to tell us any of your experiences with that? Yeah, I have a lot of experiences with that. So as a solo, I have a lot of uh, late nights. I have far too many nights that I come home. My son is asleep. Go in there and I give him a kiss. He has no idea. But one of the most difficult times, I was working late a lot. And I came home around 7.30, which was early for that time period. And he was in his PJs and his you know, hair was still wet from the shower. And my husband was getting him ready for bed. And I walked in the door and he said, Mommy, what are you doing here? And it was like, you know, I just, it was a, it was a gut punch. And, and that was the day I, I said, I can't do this anymore. I need help. I need to find someone. I need to start delegating more. And it was really, they will keep you in check because they do not hold back and they let you know. I think uh, my dad guilt doesn't come from being there. I, I make it a priority every single morning to drop my kids off at the bus stop. I make it a priority to be home for dinner. I make it a priority to be at their t-ball games or schedule you know, their, their concerts. My daughter had a school concert. So that's been part of thanks to my team, my firm, in part thanks to my practice, my role in the practice, and that's been intentional. But that's not where the guilt comes. The guilt comes from me and really in being present in that time because I always feel like I'm being pulled in a, in a number of different ways. And just to give you an example, last Saturday I was uh, coaching T-balls. Great time. And in between innings, it just takes forever to wrangle up the kids. You know, I was out there messaging client on the T-ball diamond on a Saturday morning. And I learned uh, last night, my, uh, my daughter said, who's on the sidelines, my, my, my son plays, uh, you know, daddy, do you think, uh, what she say, is, are, are you embarrassed about daddy? <laughs> <laughs> out there on the t-ball field trying to trying to move uh trying to move some business i think that's where a lot of the guilt comes in for me and it's it's a hard it's a hard, it's a really hard thing for me that i struggle with i mean yeah we could talk for hours about this i mean i for me i've tried i think if my kids only really know jim and i as working and as lawyers so i try to make it not a competition right like some days Mommy's more lawyering. Some days, mommy's more mommying. You know, it just depends on the days and the weeks. And so if there's a field trip, okay, mom's going to work on Saturday because she's here with you on Friday. So it's almost like a negotiation. I try and do it ahead of time and get some buy-in. Like, okay, so you want mom to come on Thursday, then I have to work late on Wednesday. I'm not asking permission. I want to be clear. I am the boss in my house. But I, I do, I don't want... We all think that, I, right? <laughs> Jim, Jim knows that, but the, 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 key, the, key, the key, I think, is to get the buy-in, right, as opposed to after the fact, oh, you know, I got to run to the office now, and well, you didn't tell, I mean, kids, the older they get, the more they argue and negotiate, and well, you didn't say this, I don't actually have to tell you everything I do, I'm, I'm the boss, remember, and, but, you, but it's easier, I think, if you kind of give them a heads up, and so I've learned, and that has mitigated some of our guilt, I think, more of the planning, and so we're going to do this, this is how this week is going to go, and I guess we'll talk in to tips later but yeah the guilt is definitely always there you know, working parents anytime you have any competition right the kids believe that 
they're the center of the world. And, and for much of our time with them, that, that's what we want them to believe. However, the reality is there's a lot of competition, right? The emails, the texts, the constant attention and questioning um, from clients and employees and other children. That's another problem. We have more than one child. The other ones, what about me? What about this? So I think the more you can sort of lay the groundwork and expectations, the more they understand. Oh, yeah, mom told me she had to work that day. And so I think that that's maybe less guilt. Let's talk a little bit about choosing between doing things maybe at your kid's school and doing things for work or at home. So for me, I was, one year I was crazy and decided to like be, all my kids go to different schools, which is awesome. And I was heavily involved in the PTA and a liaison group between the school board and the PTA association. And I also decided to be an assistant coach for soccer because I'm a glutton for punishment. But it was a lot, but I was very involved. But I noticed that my kids were feeling like I wasn't there enough, but I felt like I was doing a lot. And then at the same time, I was there with mothers who didn't work at all um, and had a lot of time to be able to donate. So I've kind of felt the pull. So not even just inwardly from home, but outwardly as well about what, I'm, what I should be doing, what my priorities should be. How do you deal with choosing between being involved at school and with your kids there versus being at home? How do you make those type of decisions? Anyone who wants to take that. <laughs> I'll go ahead. I grew up in a very small town. We never had parents in our schools. It was just not a thing. I think this is like this Pinterest era, be the perfect parent, you know, spend a million dollars on a party for a one-year-old. It's just, it's gotten so out of control. And I told my husband, we had a big talk about it when I was pregnant. And I said, I'm not, I mean, part of my friendship, I said, I'm not buying into that bullshit. You know, I think as women, we do it to each other. We kind of, you know, oh, we got to one-up each other. We got to keep up with the Joneses. They, she had this party. She made these crafts for the classroom. I just don't care about that stuff, to be completely honest. That is one type of guilt. I just don't buy into it. These women want to compete. Sometimes the men get involved in it, and they want to be the best room mom. Be the best room mom. That's really just not... I'm there for my kid. I'm not there to be the best room mom. That's, that's just the way I look at it. And what about you, um, Amani? Because your children are a little bit older, so you probably had an experience where you're seeing some of what I'm talking about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think the guilt from the kids is one thing. Guilt from other parents and moms is another thing. So because I have four kids, I think I have the luxury of saying, I have four kids. <laughs> so I, I already did that. You know, I was PTO president. I did that 10 years ago. I don't know where you've been, but I'm, I'm done now. I did that. So Jim and I kind of made choices. Like we, we ran the, the school trivia night, which is the big fundraiser. We picked that. Right? It was a controlled environment. It was a lot of time and a lot of effort, and he was fantastic. And we had a really nice committee, but that's what we chose. And so by doing that, then I think we were able to let go of the 50 other things. Because there's so many things, and you can't do everything. And you certainly can't do everything well. So I think if you're proactive and say, this is my contribution, or I'm going to write a big, fat check. <laughs> right? So I'm going to write that big, fat check. I'm sorry. I'm really busy in my practice right now. But next year, I'm going to join this committee. Right? I think if you're proactive, and you have a plan, and you show that you're committed, and you pick something, I think people respond that and then they kind of leave you alone with the trivia night I don't think they bothered us with anything they were just grateful and it was a huge responsibility right and we enjoyed it but that was our contribution right and so I do think you have to pick something I think kids want to see that but I don't think you have to do everything I don't think you have to coach every game I don't think you have to be the room mom for every kid for every classroom but I you know as long as they see that you're present and contributing and the parents know that you're there as needed or for this particular event they'll go on to the next person 
Absolutely. And for me, it definitely was an experience doing all that. When I did, what I did like was that I was able to really see what was going on in the school district. I was able to kind of really have a hand in what was going on, but it was a lot. It was a lot to be able to do. And there are some mean moms out there. Like, this is a real thing. Like, it's, it's a little scary. You know what? You just remind me of something. There was one thing I did in junior high, um, and I thought, oh, this is great. I'll, I'll be in the school. I'll see the kids. And they, it was a really inconvenient for me. I should not have done this, but it was, I, I thought it would be a nice idea. And I, I volunteered in the library like one day a week, and I helped with the books, and I love libraries. It sounded great, and I, I was idyllic. I thought the kids would come visit me. Not one time, not one child, not one time, the entire year, I did not do that again. That, I mean, that was lovely, and I contributed, and I volunteered, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And that probably wasn't the best use of my time, if that's what I wanted. It depends what I was trying to achieve and how I was going to help the school and, and see the kids. That wasn't it. So you got to find what makes sense for you and what you're going to get the most out of and what, how you can give the most back. So having children who are different ages, let's talk about what parenting looks like as your children get older. So any, <laughs> Amani, do you want to take that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. OK, how many of you have teenage children? Please raise your hand. And you're still here to tell the story. See? And there's so many stories to tell. So I'm not going to lie. Three-year-old is hard. Three-year-olds, woo, they will wear you out. They will argue with you. They will chase you down. They will lay on the ground. I mean, there's so many things that they do. They have so many tools at their disposal. And you're, and you're in the grocery yes. store. You're totally embarrassed. Whatever you want, they'll buy you whatever you want. Just be quiet. You know, the teenagers, you know, I've chased my kids up the stairs. You know, I mean, it's like, I, you don't talk to me that way. Why are you talking to me like that? How could you do that? So it's a different kind of parenting. And I'm afraid I... I wasn't totally prepared for that. I'm trying to read some books and get some zen about this. It's, um, they're little people, and they want control over their little world, and they don't make particularly good decisions. And so that's very hard for me. So in a three-year-old, eventually I will win, right? Eventually I win. I mean, my son the other day, I think I told you this on the phone, my son said something to me like, well, you can sign me up, but you can't make me go. The hell I can't make you go. Yes, I sure as hell can't make you go. Give me that phone. Give me that car. You give me everything you have. Then you can decide if you want to go. I mean, but how sad that I have to do that, right? And, and so I'm sitting here like, I don't want a parent like that. But sometimes you have to. It depends. So for me, it's the struggle of how much do I just sort of let them make a stupid decision that I'm watching? I'm watching the stupid decision being made. And it's a learning opportunity. And, and, and so watching that versus just going in and fixing it and making the right decision. I struggle with that with my clients. I struggle with that with my kids. And if I meet you in the hallway, I may struggle with you as well, okay? It's hard for me to watch people do something that I think, oh, maybe that's not the best thing. And that's what you have to do as they get older. Is that like, how old are your kids? Um, my kids are my kids are six and nine, which is, uh, you know, I, I think for, for, uh, for us, it's like, uh, you know, Infants and young children are training in one way, like like you're changing diapers and they're crying and they're teething, and it's just it's just a it's just a mess. I mean, like if I had to have another child, it'd be like hand me at least a five year old, like like that's the minimum cutoff age for a child uh, uh, for me. So uh, we're we're done we're done with children. But I, I I think I think that as my kids have gotten older, it's become so much more involved. Our kids' lives are ridiculously busy. I mean, sometimes uh, my wife and I will just be like. 
oh, practice is canceled because it's like we are we as a family are like so exhausted that it's like we need to we need to call a timeout in our life in our children's lives and especially this time of year it's just like we, our kids are still in school so it's field days and end of the year concerts and base end of the year baseball parties and end of the year girl scouts and everything and it's this children's party that children's party and then and then the kicker of it is when they're when they're young i mean uh, my wife and i used to have like it used to be nice they go to bed at like seven o'clock and it's like oh wow we've got like two hours three hours to be adults to talk you know just to to to, to be to be to, to be present together now it's like my daughter's like coming downstairs at like 10 o'clock at night is like, go sleep <laughs> like get back up there and go to sleep so i think that they become i think at least in my in my life they've they they become in a lot of ways easier in a lot of ways a lot more exhausting and Marissa, so you already hit on a three-year-old thing. The one thing I really wish people told me when I had children was that it's not really the terrible twos, it's the terrible three. They could have saved that T, that alliteration for three, because they really are crazy at three. But then there's another age that you head on, I think that you don't realize is difficult, which is third grade. Like that age group is really kind of hard. At that point, your kids are learning to be a little bit more independent at school. They're not coming, coming home and telling you everything they have to kind of take on a lot of that stuff themselves, but you still have to check in. How do you do that? Like, how do you have any tools that you use at home to kind of know what's going on with your kids at school, but also give them some independence? I know the three-year-old may not need that yet, Marissa. Well, he thinks he does, but <laughs> I mean, I'll let you guys feel that. I guess, uh, I mean, in, in, in our firm, we sort of have, we sort of have buckets of, we call them buckets. And it's just like, okay, intake, this is your bucket. Attorney, this is your bucket. Paralegal, this is your bucket. And in our house, we have buckets as well, though we don't have a Wikipedia page for our house or anything. But um, honestly, most of that burden falls onto my wonderful wife, Allison, who is, um, you know, co- we're constantly coordinating you know what's this when's that scheduling and she she manages um manages that uh for our kids and i mean i'm just really grateful for that and i'm really grateful for the childhood that she's able to give them through through her involvement but uh, it's probably probably because i'm a guy that's that's off my plate I think that's probably true. (laughs) I think I spend probably an obsessive amount of time coordinating schedules and times and dates and events and where people need to be where because it's a little bit of a puzzle, right? And sometimes your spouse is super busy with other things, (laughs) but you still have children. Children have to eat. Children have to go, you know, to places. And, you know, so you have to... Communication, I think, is the most important thing. So for me, it's making sure I have a shared schedule, right? Definitely shared schedule, but also make sure you talk about, hey, this weekend looks kind of busy. Who's going to take so-and-so to this game? And who's going to, you know, who's taking who where? What's your contribution this weekend? Is right, right? Who's doing what? So I think that's huge. And making sure that, that, that there's no resentment, right? That you're not like, well, you didn't do anything. I did all, I did it all. Where have you been? You know, that comes out. But again, if you don't have good communication skills and a good division of labor, at least as fair as possible, that both people feel that it's equitable and that you respect their time and, and what they're doing, then you're just going to have resentment. Then you're going to have angry kids and unhappy kids and fighting kids and fighting adults, right? So then that makes things even more complicated. So the hope and the idea is each week you kind of look at the schedule, you look at the work schedule, you look at the family schedule. And, you know, if, if Jim's got trial or Jim's going to be out of town, 
I kind of coordinate and schedule things to, to make sure I get the support I need. And if it's the other way around, if I'm traveling for a case or if I'm traveling with one of my kids because I'm you know, going to a soccer tournament or whatever, making sure that they're supported home to do that. So, of course, this is ideal, right? So sometimes you look up and you're like, oh, we have four baseball games right now. How did that happen, right? So it gets a little stressful if you're not paying attention. So it, it, I think it pays out dividends if you can look at it ahead of time and kind of distribute who's going to do what where. And God forbid if it's canceled or, you know, <laughs> hey, that's just the way it happens. Sorry, you know. Um, so you try and be as fair as you can to everybody. And sometimes you got to miss something. And that's just part of the deal. But that's the hardest part. And I think we as parents don't want to disappoint our kids. But I think life is full of disappointments. And I, have to, I, I struggle with that, right? Trying to make everybody happy and get everybody where they need to go. Well, you know what? I'm tired. And I'm not taking you today. I am dead tired. It's not going to work. So I have to just remember that there are days that that's okay. But the guilt and the societal pressure of, oh, you know, and, and being the working parent as well, you don't want your kid to not be there because you were working. Somehow that, that there's shame and guilt on top of that. So trying to, to mitigate all of that, but also keep in perspective. You know, it's one game. God, we've had hundreds, thousands of games, you know, but to them it's everything. And if you think back to our parents, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think my parents ever went to anything. I don't think my parents set foot in my... So not that this is the standard, right? But, I mean, that's something to think about, that, you know, we have gone from a generation where I think parents were far more removed and kids were a lot more independent to we are on top of them, you know, with every assignment and every game and every issue at school, you know? And I think we as parents maybe have to remove ourselves a little bit from that. Hey, guys, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. That's because we're seeing some really exciting things happening with Guild members and their businesses. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Inside, you'll gain support, tap into a network of connections, and continue learning, a common theme among successful entrepreneurs. There are so many benefits inside the Guild, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the Guild to check out all of the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. Investing in a community is like the self-care of business ownership. Being in a community with other people who get it is crucial when you're creating a rock-solid foundation to build your business on, one that's strong enough to withstand setbacks, transitions, and growth. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the Guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. You touched on something that I really want to talk a little bit more about, which is a division of labor within the household. And even when men step up, my husband is awesome. He cooks dinner like every night, and that's just worked out. But it was after I had a meltdown. Like it wasn't, and he he's been cooking the entire time. But it was just like I just like lost my shit like one day because I was coming home and I'm checking homework for three kids. And then I'm cooking dinner. And it was just, he was just oblivious. I mean, a great guy, but just kind of oblivious to it. And then that was something like now that he steps up and he does like six days out the week, he's cooking the dinner. But what also happens too is that even when we do divide the labor, right? We say, oh, you're going to do the dishes, I'll do this. Or, you know, you make choices. Women still tend to carry the mental load of everything. 
Talk to me about how you deal with that. How do you not go crazy? Because I think all of us are married, right? Um, unfortunately, we don't have any. I think another interesting perspective would have been to have a person who's single here who's doing this, because that would be even a greater deal. But for all of us who are married, how do you deal with that? Like carrying the mental load of making sure that things get done. Honestly, I am a systems person, like Ryan, and I started assigning things to my husband. It was the only way things ever worked out, so I started tagging him in my calendar. I set up his calendar so he got reminders. Every time I knew I wasn't going to be home unexpectedly, I invited him to that event, so he gets notified way in advance that he's going to be on his own. I actually created Asana projects. Even though I use it for my firm, I also use it for home. Um, if we're going on a trip, I, we sit down together and we'd start, okay, what do we got to do before we go on this trip? And then we assign it to each other. And I can literally see him completing the list. Sometimes when I'm at work, I'll check in. Oh my God, he got six things off, you know, off the list You're when I come home. Yeah, it really does work out. Um, I nag him through um, Alexa the best. Um, she reminds him, like, it's time to take out the trash because there's recycling tomorrow. And it's just, it's eliminated so many of the arguments that we had in our marriage. So it's not just for work. I mean, these systems, at the end of the day, your your marriage is, it's a project, you know, and it's, it's, it's a partnership and you have to treat it, I, I think. <laughs> you can use technology to really avoid so many of the arguments. Um, it's really worked out really well for us and him knowing what is expected of him and me knowing what is expected of me, I think, is the big one because... Like you said, you know, there's just so many assumptions being made about who's going to pick something up, and it always seems to fall on the woman. And you know, even my child's school, they all know I'm the attorney. They all know I work late. But who gets the note sent home? Even though my husband picks up my son, the note still says, Mommy, Jake needs X, Y, Z. Mommy, this is happening. And it drives me bananas. I don't say anything because I'm not going to make waves at my kid's school. But you know, they call me by my husband's last name. And it's, it's still very much not uh, an equal thing, I think, when it comes to parenting. So you got to do what you can, I think, to, to change that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think divisions of labor are, are fantastic. I mean, I have different jobs in the house, like mowing the lawn, taking out the trash. I, I try as much as possible to do dishes and, and to, to clean, to fold laundry, to do laundry, to do, to do all these as much as I can. But I, I also think it's so important. I, I had a friend who told me right before we had children, he's like, look, sometimes you have to leave the dishes in the sink. And sometimes that laundry is going to sit in a laundry basket. I think, I swear to you, I think we bought about three laundry baskets this year that I don't know if our, if our clothes know some of the times where, where drawers are. Um, but that's, that's something that, you know, in, in my practice, I'm very, I'm very precise. My office is very clean, everything. And it's something that at home of, with, like, I've had to come to the conclusion, like, it's okay to let go of that. You know, we have a house cleaner. The house cleaner comes once a week because once every other week, that was not enough. And so to the degree where you talk about, you know, you know, as Sandy had spoken about, about outsourcing and, and, and doing these different things, I think, I think home is, is good for that. I, I, for years, had the lawn mode. And then I got fat. So I look at it as exercise, and it's pretty damn meditative because I'm awfully present. I don't have any headphones on. I'm not listening to any business books. It's just me quietly working through whatever I'm working through, and I'm getting some exercise. But yeah, I think sometimes it's okay to say, it's okay, the lawn's a little long. So, yeah, this is what letting go I was talking about earlier, letting go. This is hard for me to let go, too. So there are six people in my house, lots of shoes, okay? People have more than one pair of shoes. 
for some reason, there was a giant shoe bin. It's actually a bench, okay? And when my kids come home, and my husband is included, they leave all their shoes right next to the bench. They don't put it in the bench. I don't know why. I cannot figure this out. How hard can it be? I think I'm going to put a sign up. Please put your shoes in the little bench. I don't understand. So, you know, each night... I get a little resentful. I ask you to put your shoes in the, you know, I'm running around the house. Where are your shoes? I told you. And then they, they, they can't find their shoes because they're in the bench. So, you know, it, some of this is training, right? Trying not to yell and chasing your children. It, teaching them this is what we do because it, it's calmer. It's nicer. I don't want to trip over your shoes and die as I'm coming into the house. Lots of little things. So I have to pick, pick and choose, right? Um, that one, I will not. I want, I want the shoes in the freaking bin, okay? Other things. You know, school paper, there's so many school papers, there's so many things. There's so many things to keep track of. And I'm an orderly person. I like order, I like rules, I'm kind of linear, and it just makes sense. If you do this, then the house will be cleaner and everything will be better. But you have to teach it and you have to practice it and you have to tell them why. And so and and, and you have to let go of stuff, you know? So I like a clean house, I like things clean and organized, but I don't have as much time to do that. And so Jim, one day, I'll never forget this, early on in our marriage, he said, well, maybe we should get someone to help clean the house. I said, what's wrong with the house? Tell me the house isn't clean. So this turned into like, oh, I called my mom. I think he's insulting me. He's saying the house isn't clean. He's not helping. How could this be? My mom's like, Amani, are you okay? (laughs) She said, just get the house cleaner. Okay, mom, that's a great idea. (laughs) Get the house cleaner. And it helps a lot. It really helped. But at first I thought I was supposed to do everything and I was supposed to do that well. And I wasn't supposed to take help. I wasn't, you know, good at taking criticism. The whole thing just snowballed a little bit. And then when I looked back, I thought he really didn't want to do it and he didn't want to ask me to do it. And I thought I was doing it. But at the end of the day, it gave us both more time. It gave us more, a little bit more time, a little bit more freedom to do other things. And so I had, again, letting go of I can't do everything and be a happy person. You want to be a happy person. You want to be a happy mom. You want to be an angry mom. Angry lawyers are not fun. So, you know, how do you do that? So I think, you know, systems and asking for help, knowing when you need the help, what you need the help with. Is it the laundry? Is it the shoes? Is it the dish? You know, what is it that you want to do? If you like doing the grass, great. If you don't like doing the grass, get somebody to do the grass. You know, and if you have kids, involve them too. So now we have a chore list that's, you know, hard to keep up, but we try. You're in charge of this this week. You're in charge of, you know, and so we we try to get everybody sort of on board. And then the older they get, I think that's what's even more interesting and more important, that they can see us as a team we all have to make this work, right? We're the parents, but we have a lot of responsibility. And you can help with that responsibility. And so everyone play, play your part and play your role so we can have you know, a nicer life and a nicer family time. So. If I could just add on to that, I think we underestimate how much our children can do. And if you ever print up, there's a, like a suggested chore chart by age, and you see what they yes. tell you that like a two-year-old can do. And you're, no way a two-year-old can do that, but try them. And, and I'm, it takes I'm, so much time. It does. It does. And that's the thing. And, and I had a co-counsel who was a mom. She had twins. When I was pregnant, she really lectured me about this. And she said, I'm going to tell you my secret. I really took the time to teach my children. She has a boy and a girl, twins. And she said, and I hope no one gets offended when I say this, but she said, I never want my son to be a burden on his spouse. And she said, I am going to teach both of my children how to be self-sufficient. And she said, and it makes me cringe to watch them fold their clothes because they're so bad at it and it takes them so long and I just want to rip the clothes out of their hands and do it. But 
now they know how to fold their clothes, and now they know how to make their beds, and now they know how to keep their house, you know, their rooms clean. And if you train them from the moment they're young, I mean, I just want to pick up my kids' toys and get on with my day. But even if it means that we're late to school sometimes, I make him do it. And I'm not going to say I'm 100% of the time because, you know, sometimes you just lose your patience. But I really think it's like building a system. You got to put the time in in the beginning, and then it just kind of creates itself. And it, it, it continues on, and it really, I think it really makes a difference. We take on too much as moms, and, you know, it, it starts with the kids. So running a practice, a lot of those things that Tyson mentioned earlier, those things that are kind of like popping up in our head, those failures that we feel like we've had, a bad day at work, a upset client, or a client fires you, are sometimes those things that we take home with us. How do you deal with that, like not taking home your work to the extent that it will interfere with your relationships at home? I think I've gotten to a point through meditation and therapy that I am pretty zen of like, okay, I like, like the universe, everything is as it should be. Like this client is not for me. This case got lost. Like whatever, whatever that is. And I don't think it, I don't think it affects me. What really does affect me is, um, I mean like my, my, my team, at, uh, you know, they call me Hamilton cause they say like the man is nonstop. Like I, I, I like I, I could be here forever talking about law practice with you going back and implementing ways to do it like I don't turn off and and I think that that's really my bigger problem and it's it, it and it's one that you know I, I really do struggle with you know so in our work we do immigration work and some of our cases I mean I have a bunch of asylum cases right now and these cases are heart-wrenching you know the stories that this one one case in particular this young woman and it just about tore me up I I tried not to cry in the room with the client. I excused myself, but man, these are hard cases. And when you lay in bed at night, I think about this woman, right? I mean, I think about these cases and, you know, if I don't win, what's going to happen, right? And so I do carry it with me. I do. And what, I, what we've been doing at the dinner table is talking kind of generically about, hey, how was your day today at work? What kind of cases are you working on? So I'll talk about an asylum case, you know, that there's some danger for this person and this is why. But at the end of the day, I try and focus on what I can do and how I can help this person as opposed to what bad things will happen if I don't win. (laughs) Because if I do that, I can't can't go to bed, right? And the the fact that, one, she trusted me with that story and that I'm able to to take that story and tell her story in a way that hopefully is convincing and, and she can prevail. Um, but I do, some of these stories keep me up at night because they're so emotional and they're so, you know, intimate. So, and I, I, what I do is I try to show the kids, this is what mom's doing, right? So this is, this is an important part of my day. This is an important part of my practice. This is an important part of why I go to work every day. And so, so that way they can see the value in that. So I try and turn it into, I love my job. I love that I'm able to help this person, but there are days that are going to be harder for me, right? If I, if I lose or if it didn't go the way I wanted or something happened in a case, yes, I'm going to have hard days. But at the end of it, hopefully I've done my best and I've done the best with the, what that client has given me. So I try to put a little twist on it. Work-life balance. This is going to be for you, Marissa. Is there such a thing? And if there is, how have you found it? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people say it's a myth. You know, you're never going to have it. You know, just circling back a little bit to bringing work home, I'm like you, Amani. I, I can't let go of my cases, and you know, mentally, my my husband's snoring next to me, and I'm just I'm trying to resolve something in my head because I do get emotionally involved. Even though I have business clients and construction clients, these aren't life. I mean, they can be life changing, but not to the extent that obviously, you know, being denied citizenship or something like that would be. So I try to really get out of my head. 
I will say what has been life-changing for me, and I was really nervous about it, is I, I have a 100% rule that at 6 p.m., my emails stop syncing to my phone. And they don't turn on again until 8 a.m. And I was really nervous about doing that, and I thought I was going to get a lot of pushback from clients, and I thought I was going to, you know, I had FOMO, business FOMO, and it's been over a year. I have had zero anything bad happen. I have not had, you know, I'm not a PI attorney. I'm not a criminal attorney. No one needs a construction attorney at two in the morning. That's your client being, you know, anxious and writing to you. So I think you have to find a way to be present in everything you're doing. And that has to involve putting the phone away, put it on your nightstand, put it on the charger, be with your spouse, be with your children. You're never going to be 100% at everything, but you can be present for what it is that you're doing. And I think that is the best that we can do as parents and as business owners. I think for me, to the degree that anything's ever worked, it's really owning your schedule. Like, like sometimes I'll just schedule like white space <laughs> from one to five. Like, do not schedule me or scheduling your workouts or scheduling, you know, meditation, really scheduling, not just client appointments and client phone calls. And I really think in some ways, like kids are a tremendous gift in all of this for, for sort of two reasons. One of which is, you know, after getting my kids out the door into the school bus, it's like, oh, I've got to go in and give an opening statement where I'm asking for a million dollars and depo- you know, do a direct examination of a, a forensic expert. Okay, like that's relaxing. <laughs> it's all it's all downhill after my kids have their shoes on or at the bus stop, right? It's so it that it makes that it makes that sort of easier. But I think the second point is I'm a I'm a I'm a, a, a Pearl Jam fan. I remember Eddie Vedder in an interview about parenting. He said, look, when we used to before we He's like, before we had kids, what we would do is he's like, it would be, you know, three weeks in the studio and kegs of beer and cartons of cigarettes and, you know, sitting there and meandering and dawdling and recording this album. And he's like, then we had kids and it was more like a pack of cigarettes, a six pack and three hours in the studio and the album was done. And I think that parenting in that constraint has made me so much more efficient on the business aspect of things because it's like, I'm not wasting time. Like this is go time. I've got these three hours. We're going to move these things and we're going to ship these things done. Yeah, I totally agree about the efficiency. I think our kids have made us be more efficient with our practice, with everything that we're trying to do because we are trying to do so many different things and there's so many moving parts. So I think there are a lot of positives to having kids, of course. You know, was it a challenge career-wise? Certainly. And it, you know, I've made sacrifices. All of us made sacrifices. Every parent in this room has made a sacrifice. You know, being, being a lawyer, being a professional, going to work, whatever work that is that you do, anytime you're away from your kids, to me, that's a sacrifice, right? So if I'm sitting across the room from someone, you know, who's you know, a client who wants to hire me, but they're lying to me and I don't really like what they're saying. You know what? I don't really need this case. I'd rather be with my kids. So you can go. I'm done. Right. That's easier for me. I can screen cases better because I don't need it. I don't need it. There are other things I could be doing. And I, I think about my time. It's, it's more qualified um, and it's more quality with my kids and with my practice. If I'm there, I want to be the lawyer. When I'm, at, when I'm at work, I'm the lawyer. When I'm at home, I want to be the mom, right? Well, sometimes I'm a lawyer at home, too. That depends. So I think it's knowing those roles and, and being consistent and, and being present, right? Who am I today? What am I going to do? Um, and remembering that everything you do at the end of the day is hopefully for your family and, and for your business to grow. But one thing I'll add to this is that sometimes you see, like, frustrated 
parents or lawyering. And of course, you're going to have days like that. But I think it's important. And it's important for your kids to see some of that. But I think it's also important for your kids not to see you as a frustrated lawyer or a frustrated parent or an angry lawyer, angry parent. So I've worked really hard for them to know, yeah, you know what, today was a bad day, but I still love what I do, right? You were terrible today. You were were mean to me today. But I still love you. You're still my kid, right? So I think it's important for them to see that spectrum. It's not all black and white. It's not everything is perfect at work, everything's perfect at home, or everything's terrible, right? I think they have to see. And that's, to me, where the balance is. Some days are better than others as a parent. Some days are better than others as a lawyer. And and I think that's okay. I think it's important to share that with your kids and for them to see it because they're going to experience that, and that's okay. Thank you so much. And I think it's a blessing for us all probably to be able to share with our children the ability, the skills to be able to build a business. I think we're showing them, giving them opportunity to see some different things, just like Tyson, first generation business owner here. And that, again, that opens our children's eyes. And the fact that they get to see us day to day, be able to do that and to be able to balance that, I think is a great thing. I want to thank all of you for sharing your insights on parenting, being so open about it. Give a hand to our illustrious panel. Thank you for moderating. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.